that everybody does not have that luxury of having a great manager. Um, everybody does not have the luxury of having a good manager. Everybody does not have the luxury of having an okay manager. And so it has become one of these areas where I say so much can um, can really change in how the person shows up and the results that the business is delivering and how that manager you know, manages their people and how they empower their teams. Welcome to the Grow Tribe. Hi, I'm Melissa McGowan, and I love that you're choosing growth. In this podcast, we shine a light on the diverse, messy, and real ways that you grow in leadership and life. We reflect, connect, and share what growth means to us. After two decades supporting growth in business, and of course my own, I firmly believe that where you go with your energy, time, focus, money, and precious resources, you actually grow. We're better together, so stay curious, stay awesome, join our tribe, and feel alive. Are you or the females in your team ready to jump off the roller coaster of good weeks, okay weeks, great weeks, and terrible weeks, and grow your confidence, connections, and mojo? If you are, I invite you to join the Energy Collective. The Energy Collective is about prioritizing your growth, your achievements, personal and professional, and of course, your energy. So we start in May and we really do this by coming together with a really thoughtful design. This is kind of what I wish I'd had for myself years ago to put you and those quality connections on the agenda. So we grow leadership skills and mindsets, we achieve our goals, personal and professional, and we really enjoy the connection, the resources, and the support offered and received by other women. So we grow without the sacrifice. Like I said, this is for driven female leaders working in corporate roles or busy businesses, running your own business, and it's that leadership and life development solution. If you want to access more information, go to the show notes. If you want to access the early bird pricing, which is only available till mid-April and spots are limited. So I invite you to jump in now and find more ease and feel more vital in your life and your leadership. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So I'm so pleased to be joined by Melva Holt again today. Um, Melva joined us last year and she spoke to us about leading and being and navigating change. And I encourage you to go back and have a listen to that episode. I'll link that in the show notes here. Today, we're going to dive into a topic that Melva and I are both really passionate about, and I call it manager magic. And we will dive into that. And I think you know what I mean as well, because so many times I've heard from people, and I actually just had something come up this week where a big boss was explaining to me the need to give someone in the team a pay rise. And I sort of talked through that with that person. And I asked some more questions to really get under what was going on with that individual. And no surprise, what was going on with that individual was that she was having some challenges with her immediate supervisor or immediate boss. And the way the organization wanted to deal with those challenges was to give her a pay rise. Now, 
we've been talking lately on the podcast about what hasn't been, you know, what what hasn't changed, what 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 is not new, and I think things like prioritization, tapping into this area of manager impact and the magic that we can unlock when we give our managers the skills and the support to get the most out of their teams. And, you know, amazingly, the energy that comes with that on both sides of that equation, it is so energizing for people to be supported and to be able to contribute. And it's so energizing as a manager to shift away from that such a common dynamic I've heard of over the years, which is it's hard managing people. Managing people and performance is hard. And I've been talking a lot this year about compassion. And I think that's a topic that, you know, we can apply here as well. There's been a lot going on for all of us. And if we're managing people, how can we be a little bit compassionate with ourselves now? And what that might look like is getting back to some basics. Even if you are an experienced manager, you know, I think this is a time to go back to basics. And, you know, I I continue to, I think I did an episode, when was it? Um, Last year, episode 13, where I talked a little bit about manager magic and um, Google's project Oxygen that they did around do managers really matter? Well, of, well, of course they do. And we continue to see that. that the data shows that it's the, the single most important factor in whether or not employees choose to stay in a job, and this is Gallup research, is the quality of their relationship with their direct superiors. And there's a number of factors that go into that that really lead into engagement, productivity, and retention. And it's a lot about feeling valued. It's a lot about um, having a connection with the person that you work for. And you know I'm obsessed with energy. I think this is a huge source of energy gain and mojo gain. And on the flip side, gee, it could, it just can be so depleting for people when, you know, this um, sort of manager-employee relationship and dynamic is not working. So I'd love to welcome you back to the Grow Tribe, Melva, and, and dive into some manager magic today. Thank you, Melissa. It's my pleasure to be back and, and join the Grow Tribe again. Thanks for having me. And talking about um, energy, Melva, how is your energy today? My energy today is, I would say, I'm not all the way to 100% of my tank of usual, but I'm at about 85% today. So I'll, I'll call it a win, given uh, everything that's going on and where we are, you know, just personally pandemic, I would say that pandemic fatigue right now, but we're yeah. doing well. I'm doing well. And what are you finding is um, really important for you at the moment to, t- to take care of your energy? Like what what's the kind of a habit or practice that is super important for you right now? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked because I have been actually talking about this very thing to anybody who will listen to me about it over the past couple of weeks. And that the, the one thing for me that's just been making a huge difference is the importance of a morning ritual. And, um, you know, by that, you know, how am I setting myself up? the day energetically to make sure that I am in the place that I need to be and I'm showing up in the way that I need to be. And so for me, that means I'm waking up. I I do have three kids, but I've got an amazing husband who um, is an early bird. So I don't have to be the early bird getting the worm with the kids in the morning. I am around, but it allows me to be able to get up, wake up. I start immediately like with gratitude in the day. So I grab my phone and I pull up my gratitude app and I just start to um, highlight everything that I'm thankful for. 
um, as I wake up in the morning. And I won't stop until I have at least 10 things on my list. Um, And I figure 10 is not that many when you think about all the blessings that we have every day. And then from the gratitude app, I, uh, I have a set of virtue cards that I will go through and I'll choose one for the day. Um, and it's amazing how I've been doing these virtue cards, pulling a virtue card for the last two years um, on and off. And it never surprises. I mean, it always surprises me how accurate my word for the day is. So for today, my virtue card that I pulled um, and these are cards that are available by the Virtues Project. If anybody's interested, you can go take a look at the Virtues Project online and order their set of cards. My card for today is charity. And so it talks about, you know, what charity means, how you practice charity and um, what it provides in your life. And I thought it was perfect because I drew this card. I had a mentoring call today and I'm on a podcast today, you know, talking about gems. So this card was very accurate for that. So and then from there, I go through um, setting my commitments for the day and within that saying, how do I need to show up? So those are kind of the three tenets of my morning ritual. But I found that if I don't do those things, my energy can get off and can get off pretty quickly, whether that's just feeling confused or lost or, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? Or, you know, I'm just completely focused on something I have no business being focused on for the day. So that's been my huge help right now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's coming up so um, often on this podcast about people's little ingredients in their morning that are actually doing an episode on it this week with three leaders because I think the key is it's flexible, but there's something about what we do in the morning that puts a, you know, a halo and an energetic vibe into the rest of our day. And I know when I don't do anything that, you know, my inner critic, it's sort of like, you know, where your mind goes, your energy flows. If I deviate too much from having that time for me in the morning, I just start to become my own worst enemy. So it's Mm -hmm. just, yeah, that contrast is, it it guides us back there. And I actually read a Harvard Business Review um, study the other day about the impact of a disrupted morning routine. So so first of all, the data was there around, you know, the morning routine has absolute benefits in terms of engagement and focus mm-hmm. later in the day. And it talked about if a manager is by accident, like interrupt, you know, sort of calling someone too early in the morning or whatever and disrupting that morning flow or ritual for someone, how that really has negative, um, you know, benefits for, yeah, it impacts them negatively later in their day, which I thought was interesting. So I must look that up again as well. But manager, uh, Melva, tell us um, about your passion and, and, you know, now part of your big part of your work is, is dedicated to bringing your skills and expertise to helping managers build skills and, and confidence and ease in managing people. Why are you so big on that? Oh, Melissa, it's a great question. I've got to say that I was spoiled pretty early in my career working for an organization where that was a focus. And so I feel like I was blessed with a lot of great leaders, great managers um, for a lot of years. I'm talking maybe until 10 years into my career before I actually ran into someone that (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, this is different. This is what's going on here. This is different. And so because I kind of grew up in that, I just expected that everybody in the world, right, every workplace had all these wonderful managers. 
And what I learned as I kind of took different roles and moved companies across my career is that everybody does not have that luxury of having a great manager. Um, Everybody does not have the luxury of having a good manager. Everybody does not have the luxury of having an okay manager. And so it has become one of these areas where I say so much can, um, can really change and how the person shows up and the results that the business is delivering and how that manager, you know, manages their people and how they empower their teams and how they bring, you know, set priorities, what kind of energy they're being, are they developing people? Like everything that really matters at the end of the day happens within that manager employee relationship. And unfortunately, somehow I'm not sure where this kind of got instilled in a lot of businesses that hey, it'll just kind of manage itself and people will work through it. (laughs) You know, just kind of sink or swim philosophy in that manager role. And I I feel like that's a huge disservice, not only to their company, but to the people. And so it's become this area where, because I see the opportunity, because I've talked to people who've, you know, had horrible experiences. I can't say I had horrible experience, but I had a bad manager at a certain point. Um, I've realized that, Actually, with just some discipline and some coaching, you can make a huge difference in where people, how people perform and and what that means to the business. So it's just become this passion project for me. I don't think I could have articulated it five years ago, 10 years ago that, hey, this was going to be my passion, but it's really unfolded into that over that amount of time. And I love this space because it's rewarding. So it really is a, to use a business term, it is a source of, you know, competitive advantage and one that is available right now. You know, like often we're looking for like, what's the new training? What's the new leadership model? You know, what's the new thing? And if we step back and say, okay, we've already got all these people who are currently doing their thing, like what would be the simplest way to help them just kind of be more effective in their day-to-day, you know, like, and I've, I mentioned this before that often we get engagement survey data and all this sort of stuff. And I'll talk about macro themes of communication or whatever. And I think similar to you, after all these years working with people and performance and growth, I, I get back to, it's those day-to-day things like that I'm feeling, you know, supported by my manager. I feel like I can contribute like that matters. That's what forms that view around communication more than the, the town hall meeting that's run, you know, once a quarter. So with that in mind and that sort of two sides of the equation, like we want managers to find that ease. We want them to be able to get some more capacity in their weeks by lifting out of the weeds a bit as they learn to, you know, artfully delegate and manage people. And we want the people on the other side of that equation to feel like they're cared about. What might be just one or two areas that you could bring some expertise forth on today and and just share with the Grow Tribe at this, you know, it's just a reminder. It's like back to basics because this is what matters. I'd love if you could do a few, you know, a bit of teaching uh, with us today. Absolutely, Melissa. You know, when I think about the manager journey, um, and I go back to the very first manager experience, right? Someone you know, is promoted. Hey, now you're going to manage this team of people. What happens from that, that period of time, right? Okay. 
most people go into that, they're very excited, right? They cannot wait to get started that, you know, the company thinks a lot of me, I'm ready to step up to this challenge. But I say most managers are woefully unprepared from that moment that they're promoted to manager because the company has not done a good job of actually outlining what the expectations are. So, you know, when I think about this manager journey, it starts as far back as companies being very intentional and truthful with people about what's going to be on their plate and what's going to be expected of them as they go into this manager position. Because the first, after the, the honeymoon period is over, the first kind of emotion that those managers start to feel is, oh my gosh, is this what my job is going to be? Is this what I'm going to be expected to do? And do, do I, I have need to be time? like really good at all of right. this stuff suddenly? All like I had these strengths and they've served me well and I've been a great individual contributor. And now, holy shit, I'm in this manager role. And do I even get to use those strengths? Because suddenly I see all this other stuff I need to do and overwhelmed. 100%, right? 100%. That's what they're thinking, right? And sometimes it's never even explained like, hey, I, I don't even know if I like managing people. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to be over someone else. I was put in this role because I did a great job at this particular job. And so they put me over the group. I thought I was just going to get to do more of what I had been doing. I didn't think I was going to be now having to do all these other things. You mean I've got to sit down and have tough conversations with people, tell them if they're doing a good job or not. And so many of the manager responsibilities that are, you know, make the hugest difference to people day in and day out become routine, become check the box exercises, right? oh, I've got to go in and I've got to have a one-on-one with somebody. I've got to go in. I've got to do a performance review, right? And so because it's approached from this mindset, this attitude of it's just something that has to get done, the passion and the realization of how much you can actually kind of pour into people and have them grow is often lost on, on managers, especially newer managers when they're coming up. So when I, you know, I was talking to a, a, a um, potential client today, and as we were kind of talking through their needs um, through the conversation, I, I got the sense pretty early on, okay, there's an accountability problem within this particular organization. And so I said, okay, so what are what accountability structures do you have in place? And so, you know, she, this person shared, she shared all these things that we, they have. And then she continued to tell me, I've also got a manager, a supervisor who uh, manages the team. And, you know, here's the things that she's not doing well. And I don't know that she can do this job. So while the accountability frameworks are there, there's not a strong manager in place to actually be able to to work that accountability structure to actually motivate the team because that person doesn't have the skill set to be able to perform what they need to, to, to perform. And so it's important that both the individual, as you're thinking about moving into a manager role and companies, as you're looking at who you're, you're going to put into the manager role, really consider what are the new skill sets? What are the skills that we need this person to be able to perform? It's not just, you know, they've been doing a, a, a knockout job at the individual contributor role, but what do you see in that individual company? And for the person, when they say, hey, we think you'd be a great manager, 
what are your true desires towards actually managing and being a motivation for other people? And so I have a, anybody who's worked for me through the years knows I kind of have a saying from time to time, right? That is, everybody needs a chance to vent about the manager. So, you know, as great of a relationship as I've had with people, you guys talk and then come back and tell me what you need from me, right? Because I, I know I'm not doing it all right. I know I'm not perfect as a manager. So, so give me that feedback, right? And I will tell them, I recognize I am the dinner conversation. Your family will know me and they may never meet me, but they'll know my name, right? It's a matter of, are they going to know my name in a positive way? And so when they meet me, if they get a chance to meet me in person, they're like, oh, Melva, great to finally meet you. Are they going to know my name from a negative? And it's going to be like, oh, Melva, nice to meet you finally. But they're going to know your name, right, as a manager one way or another over time. And so knowing that you have that much impact on somebody's day-to-day life is something that actually you shouldn't take too lightly. It's got to be taken pretty seriously. So I think through that, it starts at that point. What are the, the clear expectations that the manager needs to be able to provide. And then it kind of shifts to what are the expectations that the manager really needs to put in place for their team? Now, any new manager who's coming in may be tempted to come in and bark orders and do all these other things, but one of the most important activities that the new manager can do and that managers along the way, maybe you're not a new manager, but you're a new manager of a team or you've moved to a new team or you've got new people who work for you, this step cannot be missed regardless of where you are in that journey. And it's to go about the the activities of building trust. People do not follow people that they do not trust. So while they may be getting work done, it's either they're just complying because they recognize they've got to comply but you haven't won their heart or they care so much about the work, right? That they are just doing it. They're like on autopilot, right? And they're just, they're, they're moving and they recognize what it's meant to the company and they can do it with or without a manager present. But that's going to spoil the minute that you try to change anything. Yeah. It's, it's one of these things I I like to think of um, trust in a five-step process. There's, or really there's five pieces to building a trusting relationship as manager. And in my own new manager program, I I teach to this. Um, It starts with vulnerability and authenticity. And so I'll say them together because um, they complement each other. Sometimes people use them interchangeably, um, but they are, a little bit different. They have some nuances as you go through them. And so, you know, uh, vulnerability has been talked about, right? We The interest in this topic of vulnerability has picked up significantly since Brene Brown came in, onto the stage, right? And, and so, you know, she's seen as the thought leader on this area of vulnerability. And so most people think about vulnerability and they think that it means some kind of weakness, right? But at the heart of it, Vulnerability, as Brene talks about it, is it's really uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So really allowing people to see the things that maybe you don't want people to see. I put authenticity right alongside that because 
you can't be authentic if you are not allowing people to see all your warts. It's going to be really hard to show up authentically, to show up as your true self, to show up as the leader that people are like, okay, I absolutely understand, right, who this person is and and what drives them if you're not allowing people to see all sides of you. Um, If you're not allowing people to see, hey, I make mistakes too, right? But when I make a mistake, here's how I handle it. So vulnerability, authenticity, I think are the foundations of building trust within, with anybody, right? With any relationship, but especially as a manager. And it's a great reminder, isn't it? That just because we've got manager in our title or leader or whatever, again, and I'm harping on it, but that we don't have to be good at all, all of it straight away because that leads into that. And I see this so often. And I, you know, I think many of us have experienced it, that sort of drive to just prove yourself all the time and cover up your, your gaps. And, you know, that is the start of a slippery slope to, you know, potential, you know, burnout and other things. And, I just had someone call me this morning and and that's kind of where it started that I I need to kind of seem like I'm across it all and I'm fearful of showing any gaps. And that's actually now not serving her at all because she suddenly feels like she's not doing anything well. Well, it, it is such a slippery slope. So back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, right? So you made the point, right? You step into the new manager role and you're not expected to know how to do all these different pieces, right? A lot of people feel like they are supposed to, but you're not expected to know how to do all these different pieces. But if you act like you know how to do it, or if you act like you know everything, it's going to be really hard for your team to lean and say, oh, well, I'm valuable to this team because, you know, Melva appreciates me for bringing this to the team. She knows it all anyway. She'll get it figured out. She'll handle it. And so it really kind of instills this, you know, frankly, demotivation within the team when you got somebody that who just acts like they have all the answers. And sometimes you have all the answers, but you still don't need to behave as if you have all of the answers. You've got to allow that breathing room for somebody else to come in and to, to develop and to learn. The other benefit to this idea of vulnerability is, right, it's going to make you more approachable. It's going to make you seem more real. It's going to mean uh, make you more relatable to your team. And it's also going to encourage your team to do the same with you. So a lot of managers want to go in and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, sometimes I talk to managers, you know, I just can't get them to open up. They just won't share with me. Well, I want to know what you're sharing with them. So you want them to be an open book and come and and share all these things that are going on with their home life and, you know, share what they really feel about this new process or, you know, new whatever they have on the team. However, you're not sharing with them openly in a way that creates that dialogue and makes you seem like, hey, I can trust you with what I'm bringing to you because you genuinely care. Now, the third piece that automatically goes into that, right, this idea of vulnerability, authenticity is then honesty, right? If you're talking to people and even if you're seeming relatable and all these things, but you're telling little lies, those things always catch up to you. Right. And I say for a manager, 
it shows up not in that you're outwardly lying. I mean, if somebody's doing that, that's going to catch up. That's a problem with anybody's value system. And it's going to be called out at some point. But it shows up in other ways that are that seem more non-consequential, especially to managers that are overwhelmed. This is, hey, let me look into it. And never looking into it, never following up, never coming back and saying anything, right? So if you tell, you, you get your employees to open up to you about something, and then they really share, well, here's at the heart of it, here's what is going on. You say, you know what? I understand. Let me look into that and see if I can change it. Is that employee going to forget that conversation? Absolutely not. They're not going to forget that conversation. As an overwhelmed manager, might you forget that conversation? Absolutely, you might, right? And so it's making sure that as a manager that you have your own accountability systems built in so that you can make sure you do what you say you're going to do. And guess what? If you can't do that thing, it's okay to say, you know what? I can't get to that right now, but can you come back to me in a week? Remind me on that. I've got this going on. I'm going to write it down, but remind me so that I can make sure I can get to it. Or I can't get to that, but let, here's another resource for you to go to. It's not even that let me take this to that other resource because it's almost you may not have a, the time for it. Right. And getting a bit more coach like over time, because again, you know, we're not, we don't become coaches um, overnight and we're not talking about like becoming executive coaches or, you know, but just little ways to start to use questions back to your people to help them think about, you know, what it is they're really trying to achieve or how else they may get it done or what, what suggestions they've got. And it, and it continues, right? Past your new manager journey, you, long into your journey, you still need to be leveraging that same tactic so that you can, like you said, coach people and help people to learn where and how to get information especially if you're training up someone, maybe they're going to be the next you, right? Maybe they're, you're grooming them to, to take your role in the future. How will they ever know how to build that skill themselves if you're not allowing that opportunity or providing that opportunity um, for them to be able to actually go and learn to fish in this, you know, in this arena? So it's something that you got to learn it. It's better to start learning it earlier and then you're going to continue to apply it over the course of your leadership journey. Melissa, then, you know, once you get past those kind of foundational three, then you move into two other concepts that are, are definitely, when I think about trust building, um, you know, the bread and butter, consistency and competence in your job, right? And so consistency is, you know, how are you handling things? How do people know? Who's going to show up for them on that that particular day? Right. So back to, you know, keeping your word. Are there daily things, you know, daily behaviors that you have with members of your team that they can expect of you? Are there things that you're consistently asking for or, you know, you have a thought process, a way that you think through problems. And so when they bring something to you, you're consistently asking a set of questions. Right. And so they know hey, when I'm going to them with this information, I better be well-researched, right? Or I better have the answers to these questions because if I don't, they're going to send me back and I know I'm going to have to do a little bit more homework. When you think about the four stages of, of team performance, right? You can never get to the performing level if the manager is the only one doing the critical thinking. 
So <laughs> you can only get there when that's built in, into the team and there's some rigor within it. And then that confidence, um, you know, confidence is so important. And for me, this is, again, not that the manager needs to know every little thing, right? Every task that everybody on the team has to do. They don't need to be able to step in and, and take care of all those things. But what they need to be able to do is know what their team is up to, right? I, I, I've, you know, talked to managers. Okay, tell me, tell me what's on your team's plate. And they don't know what's going on. Well, you're out of touch with your team. Like, <laughs> you, you can't even represent them in a way that is meaningful to your leadership team. If someone came and asked you, hey, what does your team need? You don't actually have the right information to help them um, move forward. So you gotta know what they're doing. And then you gotta have good judgment, right? And that comes with time, that comes with some practice, but you gotta, you gotta develop that one sooner than later because your team needs to know that you're making good choices, right? When you are directing them to go in a certain way, hey, they've got the right judgment um, and it's helped, right? It's helped move us in the right direction when we made those things. If you make a decision that's not a great decision, you got to own up to that, right? Don't try to put it on and make excuses, put it on somebody else and find all these other reasons why it didn't work. You just have to own it, right? Own it to the team and talk about how you'll move forward, right? Maybe you need some new information or different information as you move forward, or you need to involve someone else. Um, the other piece is you can anticipate and see problems that may be coming up for your team that they can't see because they're so close into the task that they're doing, right? And as a manager, you have a role where you're able to see, you know, I would say the forest from the trees a little bit more, and you can help the team anticipate those things and remove barriers for them. And then it's all about highlighting your team, right, to others around them. How are you promoting their work? How are you promoting the results that they're getting? You know, it's not me, me, me as the manager. You, you will get your recognition if you are building a team that is performing at a high level consistently. So for me, that's how I kind of look at competence. It's not, oh, as a county manager, are you able to go in and do all the nits, you know, every little piece of what that accountant's job is, but how are you stepping up and how are you helping to lead the team, be their eyes, provide guidance, provide the roadmap, and then promote them as they go forward. Yeah, it's, um, it's, that's given us a number of things to think about. And you mentioned performance again, like that's the, that's the win-win, isn't it? Like we all want to be kind of delivering what we need to at work without it, um, without having to sacrifice, you know, all the other good things in our lives. And I guess I'll, I'll almost take us right back to where we started. You know, you talked about what you've been doing very intentionally to renew your energy, because as we know, when we're working and leading, we are expending our energy and, you know, that, that is that is stressing on our system and, and it's not always, you know, stress in the bad sense, but it's literally we are transferring our energy. And as a manager, I think we almost have to acknowledge that we need to really take care of ourselves to renew our energy and so that we're showing up. Because how, how we show up, like what, what energy that we project 
has such a big bearing on our own inner game and on those that work for us. And if we want to shift into that, you know, performance zone, then, you know, feeling like we're, um, what did I read the other day? Unbounded optimism, you know, confident and, mm-hmm. and calm and, and optimistic um, and invigorated. And, you know, how are we going to do that for ourselves as managers and leaders unless we're really thoughtful about how we're just renewing our energy a little bit often equals a lot? It, it, it equals a lot. And depending on the type of, you know, environment that you're in, you may need to carve out ways to do that throughout the day, right? The morning may, you know, sets the tone for the day, but you may have to give yourself a little breather at some other point where you're able to kind of do some little routine, right? I can remember times where I just, you know, about the two o'clock hour, because that that seemed to be my droop hour, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Let me just get up and do a quick 15, 10 to 15 minute walk that would, you know, I'm not listening to an audio book. Some days I may be listening to, you know, some kind of music that has nothing to do I'm a, with appropriate say, at work. Put a, tune, put a tune on. It only has to be like three minutes and just, you know, bust it out. Yeah, That's right. And like, you know, get a little fresh air and just change the environment for a moment, get the, the blood. It's how we sustain our energy. It's like how we, that's what I talk about that. There's the kind of drain, the gain, and then there's the how do we prop it up during the day. Mm-hmm. And that falls into that sustain bucket and recognizing that, just a little something in the middle of the day makes a, such a difference of like maybe that decision you're going to make at 4 p.m. or that one-on-one meeting you've got at 4.30 where you actually want to bring. You can't give what you don't have. You know, that's the thing with all of this energy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. The, the other thing is like paying attention to where your energy is best for different types of work as well. And so if you're in the type of environment where you really can um, control how your day flows and you know that, Hey, you do project work say on top of, you know, your manager duties and your best time to focus on your project work is 11 to one. Do what you can <laughs> to make sure that that block of time is reserved for that work that requires that type of focus that, you know, you can bust out during that time and, and, and be, you know, intentional about pro- protecting it. You're allowing all these other hours for people to have access to you, but you're also giving yourself permission to really hit on those things that allow you to remain passionate, right? And motivated and energetic about the work that you're doing. Amazing. And that feels like a great place to wrap up and and challenge everyone. What is something you might do to just protect your energy today at a, at a time where, you know, you need it versus giving it to everyone else. Right. So I just, I love that, that idea of a little bit of protection and looking after ourselves as we navigate our, our roles as managers and leaders at work and at home. And, um, I really appreciate what you've taught us here today, Melva, and lots of things to put in the notes. Actually, you mentioned, um, the virtues project, you know, your five steps here that you've mentioned, I'll put all that and obviously where to find you to delve into, how as organizations as well, we can really come to the party to support managers because we can't just expect everyone to be able to figure this out for themselves. I know there's lots of great info out there these days, but this is a process over time. So it needs to, the organizations need to come to the, come to the party here. And I know you've got some stuff um, that adds a lot of value. So I'll make sure we link that in as well. 
Thank you, Melissa. It's my, again, my pleasure to be here with the Grow Tribe. And, um, you know, I could talk about this for days. So um, we're in my sweet spot now. Thanks yeah, for having no, me. No, I love it. Manage your magic. Have a great week, everyone. Protect your energy. Thanks. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the Grow Tribe. It would be amazing if you shared this podcast with others at home, at work, gave it a rate and review in Apple Podcasts, and shared any ideas about what you want to hear more about or who you want to hear from. I love to hear your updates. If you're interested in learning about how to become a Chief Energy Officer, you're looking to fuel your impact and your performance, could be you, could be your team, have a look at the link in the show notes about where to start. And as always, drop me an email if you're looking for any support or you've got any insights that you want to share on growth. It's Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A at go2grow.com.au. Thanks, everyone.